Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to last week's episode. If you want this week's episode, you can visit the Patreon page, where patrons have day one access to new content that's created for the show. It even includes fun things like your very own sticker for the show. Visit patreon.com slash podcast. That's three L's podcast. My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to The Life Leadership and Laughs Podcast. Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. With me on the podcast today, I have Billy Badass Bernard. Just kidding. Billy Bernard, the Assistant Director of Student Life at the University of Akron. Uh, Billy is uh, my mentor, uh, a good friend of mine, and so I'm excited to have you on the show, Billy. Welcome. Oh, thanks, Jake. I'm happy to be here. So, uh, Billy, since uh, I obviously know you pretty well already, uh, why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, Well, I currently live uh, in Ohio, just uh, about 20 minutes south of Cleveland. Uh, personally, I am a proud uncle of three young men, very young, uh, five, three, and one. Uh, so that's where I find a lot of uh, joy and excitement in my life. I get to see them on a weekly basis, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, and the uh, things I kind of do outside of work, I think are really important and a lot of fun. Uh, and I'll talk about work in a moment, but some of the things I really enjoy, uh, are volunteering at, uh, Cleveland Playhouse Square. And so that's the big theater district in Cleveland. And so I do a lot of work there on a regular basis. Usually most Saturday nights, I, uh, I'm wearing my red coat and volunteering, uh, as an usher. So I get to see a lot of the different Broadway shows that come through and some of the local plays and other productions. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, and really, I mean, I also just enjoy nature, going on hikes. I know you might not have expected that about me, but uh, it's a lot of fun to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a new fact. Oh, wonderful. I'm happy to surprise you. Um, but no, going on hikes, I think is a lot of fun. And uh, I like wineries as well. Uh, so that's something that's enjoyable. There's one five minutes down the road for me. Uh, that's a good time. And then professionally, yeah, I work at the University of Akron. I'll be there for two years in November. And I work and I oversee uh, about 330 student organizations on campus, as well as the community service program. Uh, and I supervise a full-time staff member and then also five student employees in our student organization, student organization resource center. So it's a... Big, uh, a big change from where I've been in the past, uh, being at a large size, well, middle, middle size public university. Um, but there's a lot to do on a daily basis, a lot of new and exciting things that I get to kind of explore. And um, I learn more about myself through that work, but also then just kind of finding ways that I can help better the university and the student experience. Uh, it's really cool and exciting uh, to be there right now. So um, I'm there, you know, Monday through Friday and, uh, it's a good gig. I did a lot of 
different things this semester that kind of opened up some new doors for me. But um, yeah, it will be two years in November, so I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds pretty fun. I uh, I'm interested to uh, hear more, and so I'll probably uh, ask you about that uh, a whole ton uh, a little later. Okay. Um, so said proud uncle of three. I didn't know that you had three nephews. I thought it was only two. No, uh, there's three. Uh, the, the youngest is Max. He came around last June, so July, actually July. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, well, you know what that means. You must not be a proud uncle because I don't see photos. Um, I have photos in my apartment, and I have their colorings, their you know their artwork in my office. So. Well, I'm just kidding. I'll show you. I'll cut. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I won't. I won't show the listeners because that's kind of weird. But right. Uh, anyway, uh, so you uh, volunteer as a red coat. So right, is that like the nickname? Of the monica? Yeah, <clears throat> red coats. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how did you uh, kind of get involved with that? Yes. So uh, before I moved. Well, I'm from this area originally, so I grew up here, and then I went to undergrad and graduate school in this area. And so it was during grad school that I learned about these positions, um, but then I moved out to Illinois, and since, since I was out there for about five and a half years, clearly I couldn't volunteer. Uh, but once I moved back here, I was looking for ways to get involved, <clears throat> and I, rem I remembered that this was an opportunity, so I just applied. And in fairness, uh, I did it because I like volunteering, but also selfishly because Hamilton was coming to town. And so I knew that I get to see Hamilton for free. Uh, and so I did four times. I got to see it while I was here. But um, I just enjoy it. I, I like being a part of a larger experience and helping guests. I like the, I like the guest experience. Uh, and so, you know, if it's just holding a door open for somebody when they're walking into the theater, I just get a lot of enjoyment out of that because you see people from all different types of uh, all different walks of life who are coming there. Uh, some people are nervous because they've never been to downtown Cleveland before or to the Playhouse Square area, uh, and so they might feel nervous, not sure if they're wearing the you know correct clothes, whatever the etiquette says. But uh, just being there and kind of uh, helping them along the way and making them laugh, uh, however you can, uh, but just providing them with a positive experience. I just, I really enjoy it. And it's a Saturday night. So I know a lot of people are probably like doing things or going out with friends, but it's how I spend most of mine. And it's just, um, I think it's a nice escape to you from, you know, regular life that I lead. Um, so. Yeah. Sounds like some pretty good, uh, yeah. pretty good self care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, Let's take a walk down memory lane, uh, because I met you, of course, uh, while I was a student at Monmouth, uh, and then we worked together. If we uh, take it back even farther, kind of what drove you into uh, wanting to work in student life? Sure. So I have always been interested in working in education, and so since the fourth grade, I had wanted to be a teacher and specifically working in social studies. And so uh, it's always something that I was just interested in. I loved going to school, interacting with my teachers. I was kind of like the teacher's pet. 
um, I would say. But I just really enjoyed education. When I got to college, I majored in middle childhood education and then with an emphasis in social studies and science. But it was when I joined my fraternity um, is when I really kind of had some new doors open for me. I got really involved in campus life at Baldwin-Wallace. And, you know, I did, I think I became a little bit over-involved to some degree, but I just did a lot. And I found a lot of fun in that, a lot of fulfillment. And I met some really great people. Um, I met my, one of my mentors during that process as well. Um, but while I was in my fraternity, I served as a new member educator. And so it was during that time period where I realized that I could apply similar concepts from my major in education to educating new members of the fraternity. Uh, and so I also had a pretty rocky clinical practice student teaching experience. <laughs> and I learned at that point that I didn't really like working with middle school students. Um, <laughs> so I think it was really in my senior year, it was in my senior year that I realized or I learned that I could go and explore a career in student affairs and working in education, but in a non-traditional sense, because I think a lot of what we do is still education, obviously, and also teaching. Uh, it's just not in a normal classroom. So I learned about that as a future or as a career opportunity. And that's when I applied for grad school and uh, was accepted. And then the, the rest just kind of unfolded as I went along. So, um, yeah, go ahead. The rest, as they say, right. is history. But it's just more fun working with college students, I think, than you get to be a little bit more real with them. And uh, mm -hmm. knowing that the experiences that I had and benefited from could also allow other students to benefit from, I think it's fun to provide those opportunities for students as well. Yeah. So um, if you... Uh, walk us through kind of the journey from uh, from grad school to kind of first role out of grad school to where you are now. Sure. So grad school, I went to Kent State University. And I think, like, personally, during that, it was a, a time of growth for me, uh, just interacting with a lot of uh, different people uh, from different parts of the country who came to Kent State uh, and getting to learn from them and work with them. I think it was a really great experience and um, learned a lot about myself during that. But I also think, and I think it's kind of um, a grad school issue in general, is that, you know, you are learning all of this stuff, but you don't necessarily have a lot of real world experience. So I think your ego gets built up and you get to be very like, I know a lot or I know it all. And then when you go into your first professional job, that's I think when reality really hits you and you're living it on a daily basis and you're adapting to a new university or a new college and to new people and you're being paid to do something professionally for a university. Uh, and so I think that was, an interesting transition. When I graduated from Kent, I then got the job at Monmouth College, and that was obviously the first professional role. And I worked with the, worked with the fraternities and sororities, student organizations, and the community service program there, as well as Greek housing. Um, but I was there for five and a half years, and I think 
and I know you know this, Jake, from being a student there, you're a little bit more biased, I think, than I am. But I think that I think Monmouth is a very special place. And there were lots of ups and there were lots of downs for me while I was there. But it was five and a half years of my life. And if you can't walk away from that and saying that you learned a lot, then you did something wrong. Um, but I really enjoyed it um, and met a lot of great people, had a lot of wonderful students, who, many of whom I still keep in contact with. Um, mm-hmm. So while I was there, um, like I said, I worked with those respective areas, I think, but then something that was more impactful was then when I became a supervisor for a full-time professional. And I think really once you become responsible for supervising somebody is when your eyes really get opened up to the reality of working in higher ed because you're responsible for someone. And so I think that that was a new experience for me. And then I've been supervising full-time professionals ever since. Uh, But you have to learn how to challenge them, how to support them, uh, and then hold also the institutional needs and mission um, all kind of in line with, with everything. So I think um, it, was a, it was a fulfilling experience for me. And when I left there, I went and I moved on to work for my national fraternity headquarters, uh, where I served as, served as the director of chapter services. And I was there for about 11 months, learned a lot. That was a working from home gig. And I traveled around the country uh, for those 11 months. Uh, but working from home was really not for me, even though I'm not a super outgoing person. Um, I need people. I need to see people on a daily basis. Um, and then I had this opportunity present itself at the University of Akron, and I jumped on it. And um, so now I've been there for the past year and a yeah. half. Yeah. What a wild ride. <sighs> Very wild. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you mentioned uh, – Kind of vaguely, some of the uh, things the uh, that you learned across each of those experiences. Uh, what were, uh, if you had to uh, take each experience from grad school to now, uh, what were kind of the most impactful kind of lessons learned for you in each of those experiences? Um, sure. So, uh, in a very simple uh, sense, in grad school. One of the things that always stands out to me uh, of what I learned uh, was from my business administration class. And it was uh, a project that we had to do for the entire semester. It was just a budget simulation. And so we were, you know, the vice president of student affairs at a university, and we had to cut a certain percent from our budget. And I think one of the greatest lessons that I learned from that is that um, have confidence in what you want to do and the work that you do, and know that not everybody's always going to uh, support your decision or like your decision, but you have to, as the leader, be able to justify and feel confident in your decision-making. And so from just working on a simple project where we had to uh, cut budgets in a hypothetical sense, I think that that's something that I always learned, and that... Um, the decisions that you make, the, 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 oh, I can't talk. The decisions we make in higher ed aren't always going to be popular, uh, but they should be in the best interest of the student and the university, uh, and you have to be able to justify those decisions. I think is something that I really took away from that. Um, and then at Monmouth, I think 
there's a lot there in terms of impactful experiences. I would say that, you know, um, the students, first of all, surprise you. And I remember students coming up to me or thanking me uh, for what I did for them. And they were always kind of like vague in what they would say. Um, like, thank you so much for everything that you did. Like, for me, I'm like, what does that mean? Like, give me a list. What do you mean by that? Um, because I don't necessarily know what I do for them, but you could then hear their appreciation or, uh, and some people, you know, give a gift or something, but you could see that you have, you played a role in their life, even if it was just for a small amount of time. And so I think that that's something that was always a nice surprise when they would come up and say something like that to you or to me. Um, you know, I also learned, um, through some challenging, challenging situations, uh, kind of that old saying of, you know, what hills are you willing to die on as a leader and um, going and taking every opportunity as a learning experience, uh, learning from leaders uh, where you work um, and kind of developing a sense of morals as a professional, uh, knowing where you stand ethically on certain issues. I think that that was something that was really uh, a great experience for me. Um, and I appreciate those experiences regardless. So, uh, mm -hmm. that was good working for my fraternity. Mm -hmm. I, well, I already said that before I just, I need to be around people. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, an interesting experience, but, um, at Akron now, I went on this alternative spring break trip this year, uh, with the fraternity sorority life community. We took 38 students with us down to Winder, Georgia, and we worked at a camp called Camp Twin Lakes. And so that week was just, I think, very eye-opening for me uh, because also, as you probably know, I'm not the most emotional person or I don't really need to show vulnerability. I don't enjoy that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think that experience kind of warmed my heart up some um, just because learning about what the camp does and the different students or the different children that go to that camp throughout the year, I think it was really fascinating. Um, and then just seeing the work that our students did. Um, and we had a student who got injured on the trip. And so I spent some time with him at the hospital. Uh, and so that was, you know, interesting to navigate that being 12 hours from home, uh, having to go through that process of communicating with his family and the university and then the hospital staff. Uh, it was just a lot in a small amount of time, but um, I think that also certainly warmed my heart up. So, yeah. yeah. You know, the story, I think you can always come up with a good story about alternative spring break and okay. uh, all the craziness that happens. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think the, uh, the fun, well, I don't know how fun it is to the college but uh the students uh very fondly remember their experiences by saying it's not a spring break trip with jake unless uh there's a near-death experience oh gosh like we made regional news because our uh bus crashed uh like uh into that ditch uh and so yeah i just <clears throat> 
next year is going to be a year free of incidents. I'm calling it right now. There you go. <laughs> and knocking on some wood as uh, as I say that. So we'll see what happens. Plan for everything. You know, think about every possible situation that can happen and have a plan for that now. So yeah. it'll be issue free. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> So, uh, turning, uh, kind of away from, uh, work life, uh, kind of stuff. So, well, it's connected, I guess. Uh, I asked you, uh, earlier through some of the questions I sent you to, uh, share your kind of your own personal leadership philosophy and how it shows up for you, uh, in your work, but it can be personal stuff too. Yeah, and so I, I was thinking about that after I saw the questions, um, and really how I try to approach my role as a quote-unquote leader, um, and by the way, one of the philosophies of our department, uh, working with leadership programs at Akron, I think is really uh, very enlightening, and I really have adopted it, I think, I mean, I get paid to also, but I really do believe it, Um is that leadership is not about your title, it's about your attitude. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's really something that's good, one, just for leaders in general, mm. but also for college students to think about that. Um, but when I read your question, the one thing that popped into my mind almost immediately was this, um, I think it's a poem, perhaps. Uh, it's called uh, Sermons We See by Edgar, Edgar Guest. And I first heard it um, at a fraternity story life conference several years ago from a keynote speaker. And I think really what that does or what that shows for me or what I've learned from that um, is going back to that whole modeling the way and that you could say all these really great things as a leader or espouse these values. But if you don't necessarily live by them or you don't demonstrate that on a regular basis or a daily basis, um, that that's, you know, how do you portray yourself as a leader then or how do you have other people kind of follow along? So I think I try to do that the best I can. And really, I, I do know that I'm not perfect. And so the one thing that I strive to do when it happens is to uh, take ownership of my mistakes and to show that accountability in front of the people I supervise, whether it's the professional staff members or the students. And to let them know when I make a mistake, I think that that's really important. Um, and however they interpret that, I don't know. But for me, if I was just um, that ego, that egotistical person from grad school who thought I was flawless, I think that, you know, how can you resonate with somebody like that as a leader? Uh, and so I do my best to always take ownership of the mistakes I make when I do. And that's also with my boss as well. And so owning up to those things. I think is really uh, important. Uh, and then really, yeah. it's doing what you say that you will do is another philosophy of mine. And so if I'm going to say that I will do this, this, and this, then I need to follow through. Um, and so I do my best, I think, to do that. I know I'm not a perfect person, but um, you know, if you can't keep your commitments or you can't follow through, um, I think that that's also a challenge for people to see you as a leader then and to actually want to want to follow you or um, go along the ride with you. So. Yeah. You started talking about all of that and then I, I saw how it showed up 
mm-hmm. in your work, like when we work together in Monmouth, uh, and uh, all of the uh, <laughs> very pointed questions you would ask me yeah. uh, if I had messed something up. <laughs> so we don't have to talk about my mess ups here. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's my show after all. So <laughs> you we uh, could, and you could just edit it all out later. That way, your <laughs> listeners don't have to hear any of it. No, this is you didn't make you didn't make mistakes that like grave mistakes. So. Well, yeah. educational. I mean, nobody, nobody died. I mean, oh. you know, it was, it was fine. Yeah, you know, just some people who should have maybe not been hired as you know student staff. You know, it's no big deal. Oh brother, are you talking about yourself? So you no, should... uh, no, I, I'm talking about uh, the house manager uh, that we had issues with. Uh, anyway, that's not important. Uh, hopefully, that person doesn't listen to the show because they know they know I'm talking about them. Uh, so you have anyway. to tell me later who you're talking about. Yeah, it's the well. I can tell you right now because I'll just edit this part out. <laughs> the next part of this podcast has been heavily redacted. For <laughs> you thought the Mueller report was redacted? Just you through this conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so, uh, I think I'm going to use that specific line right there, uh, <laughs> as the opener for the episode. Oh, go for it. You thought the Mueller report was redacted? No. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be the title of the show. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so. If you, whatever you need to do to get, you know, audience, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Clickbait. <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, here we are uh, near the uh, 30-minute mark, uh, and you thought you weren't going to have things to talk about or to share. Well, how much of that is edited out? <laughs> uh, I have been counting as we've been going along about six minutes. Uh, so, uh, so you made it. Uh, so if you had to, uh, if you had to give somebody. Uh, if someone came to you for leadership advice, uh, regardless of, uh, well, you can determine if it changes between student to professional or to just any Joe Schmo. Oh. Uh, if they asked you for what it takes to be a great leader, and you already touched on this a little bit, uh, but your best kind of uh, your best life leadership uh, advice, what would you say? Yeah, so for students, and I say it regularly, and it's something that I know that they struggle with when I talk to them about it, uh, but, you know, you just have to keep it real with them sometimes. Um, But I always go back to this idea that if you are going to be a quote-unquote leader for your organization, or just a member in general, because you could be a leader as just a general member, because, again, you don't have to have that specific title, but what I tell them is that they have to make a decision about their involvement or the, their level of commitment for that role or for that organization. Because if they don't do anything with their position or they don't follow through with it, really what good is that going to be for them? They're not learning anything. They're not contributing or making the organization better. Uh, and so I, you know, I've had those conversations with the students about um, if you don't immerse yourself in that experience – that you have, like what, what, what good is being the officer then? Uh, because all that simply becomes is just a line on your resume. You can't talk deeply or passionately about the things that you did 
for something or for some cause if you don't immerse yourself in that experience. So that's something that I try to talk to my students about because, you know, as a professional, you get frustrated sometimes when you see students who are like in five different organizations and they're the president of the student government. Um, and then the one organization that they're also the president of becomes or falls to the wayside because they're not paying attention to it. And so then things can, you know, possibly spiral out of control or just kind of not be as successful as it can be. But immersing themselves in the experience, because college only lasts four years, five or six, depending on what plan you might be on. But, you know, you get this one opportunity, so make the most of it. Um, yeah. And then really for, I think, <laughs> professional staff members, I think it's always um, doing it doing your job and doing it well. And because we work in higher ed and with students, I go back to a quote that uh, Jackie used to say uh, at the beginning of the academic year. And it's every interaction with a student is a retention opportunity. Um, and she used to say that, and it's always resonated with me and it's always stuck with me. Um, because if we're doing our job and we're doing it well, we could be able to navigate difficult conversations with students when we have to hold them accountable. Similarly, when we get to cheer them on and be supportive of them and um, share in their triumphs, like everything that we do also goes back to, one, keeping them at the university and having them have this positive experience that we all believe they should be getting from our respective university. Um, and so I think that that quote has been up in my office and it's something that I always talk about um, because at the end of the day, there are students and we want to do what's best for them. Um, and knowing that I've always approached that a student should never leave my office feeling either more confused or frustrated than when they came in. And sometimes that's really hard to do, but um, it takes practice. And doing your job and doing it well, I think the students will benefit from that and will be able to see that you are invested in them. Um, when you can have both positive and challenging conversations with them, if that makes sense. No, yeah, it, it really, uh, it does. And uh, when you were talking about the, uh, the advice you would give to students, um, I felt a little personally attacked because <laughs> I can't remember my my undergrad. Uh, I I was that student who like chased every like, oh, I can be president of this, 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 uh, <laughs> and I was definitely that uh, that guy who walked into uh, my first day of my master's program like, ooh, check out all the things I know about leadership because all the shit I did in undergrad. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and my professor just like wrecked me on day one. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I tend to reevaluate all of my life choices up to this point. Right. Uh, but no, the thing you said about, uh, you know, professional staff, um, I think that, that uh, that's actually one of the reasons uh, – that I got into the work in the first place um, because that uh, piece of advice, that philosophy, uh, like I felt that, you know, with, uh, with you, with Jim, with Stephanie, uh, like all of the people who helped me uh, get and then keep my stuff together. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that's the same thing. Now I do, 
uh, on the leadership side of the house, uh, doing the, the good work. Uh, I try to hold them accountable, but also provide a safe, uh, a safe escape from all of the, forgive my language, shit that mm-hmm. goes on, uh, you know, uh, because we just, we just work here, but they live here. And so it's, you know, it's, uh, well, and some, sometimes it's a hard life. I mean, and in all fairness, obviously, again, like I said at the beginning, you know, Monmouth is a special place and it's a small town. So everybody basically lives obviously there. They're not traveling long distances. So I think that that's what's great about, um, especially small schools, is that you can have those super deep connections with students. Um, and then, yeah, open your door and allow them to come in and just vent about something or just have a disco ball set up in your office so that they can come and escape whatever challenges that they might be facing or the crazy world, you know, that right. we live in. So, right. I mean, what better experience can you be providing to people if, you know, you can't have a disco ball in your office. So, I mean, for $19 on Amazon, uh, you know, you can't really beat that. Right. $19 and your student's sanity. You know, it's... Uh, exactly. And you, and you get to listen to music. So really, it's self-care for you. Right. Uh, so, And I'm sure you, that you also bring dancing into it as well, which is equal oh, to yeah. important. So. Yeah. Only on Fridays, though, because, you know, I can't... Can't do it every can't, can't have anybody thinking I'm unprofessional down here. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, so we've uh, we've reached uh, the closing of the episode, Billy. Uh, but uh, generally, I leave the last few minutes uh, open. If there's any other burning thing you need to get out to the audience, um, any burning thing I need to get out to the audience, I. I don't know. I think, you know, so much of um, where we see probably leaders, obviously, in the world and or on our campuses or our businesses or companies, I think that one of the important things, and I know it's probably super cliche to talk about this, and maybe surprising for you to hear from me, but it just goes back to being kind to people, right? And that you don't have to be a leader who is uh, super authoritative or super strict or a micromanager, but finding ways to just embrace the people that you work with um, and embrace those who are part of your team, I think is just really important. And it's something that <clears throat> it can easily be lost if you turn on CNN, which I can be super addicted to. Um, but it's just going back to that general idea of just being kind to people. Um, and I was talking to somebody the other day and I wish I could remember what article they said that they were reading, but it was a study on gratitude and how important and healthy that is for one, your own mental health, but then two, also just in terms of um, being a part of a team or leading a team um, is sharing that gratitude with people and thanking them and um, letting them know that again, their opinions are valued and that they are, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm gonna have to edit this part out. Um, <laughs> but just that they're that they're being heard, that their voice is being heard, um, 
And I think that that's something that's really important to do. And um, kindness is, I think, underrated these days. Mm-hmm. And if we could all insert that a little bit more into our lives, I think that that would really be helpful uh, for not only our own mental health, but also um, everyone else. So, Yeah. Showing people that they matter. Yeah. Yeah. Because as Oprah says, everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to feel like they've been seen and that they're opinion matters so it's not a direct quote but Mm. well i mean i can't really uh take it anywhere after a quote from oprah so uh, i think that's a good place to stop mic drop right yeah so billy thanks uh thanks so much for taking the time and being on the show i i appreciate it oh sure you're welcome uh anytime thank you for this opportunity oh yeah and thank you listeners for listening to the show Remember that you can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow my speaking and coaching business by subscribing to the website at www.jakespeaks.org, or you can just follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at MC Leadership Guy. Until next time, take care.